You know what? I feel like they're the same movie. I'm, but really, they are the same movie. It's just like a, a kid version and a grown-up version of the same movie. Apparently, the key to being a princess is to have a hair straightener. That is what I learned about this movie. This is Fandom. I am Brandon Uccio. And I'm Nick English. And I'm Taylor Iverson. This episode, we are talking about The Princess Diaries, which is a movie about the life of Mia Thermopolis, who I said that like she's a real person. She's not really. This is not a <laughs> true story. But the movie came out in 2001, and the story revolves around a teenage girl who actually finds out that she's the heir to the throne of Genovia and has to leave her life as an average teenager behind to become royalty. So the film in the book was written by Meg Cabot, and the film was directed by Gary Marshall. And there was a sequel to this, The Royal Engagement, which also starred Anne Hathaway. So both these movies star Anne Hathaway, her breakout role, and she starred in the sequel as well. The Princess Diaries is really an interesting story. You've got Queen Clarice Rinaldi, and she's, I'm going, I need to find uh, my heir because my son has passed away. So she goes to find her teenage granddaughter and let her know that she is actually a princess. And then who is Queen Clarice? I feel like you're leaving out something very important. Uh, she's acted in a couple films before. I don't know how famous she <laughs> oh is. Oh my God. A little known indie actress. Julie Andrews, something like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this this movie, it's got a lot of people that you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I know that person, I know that person. And it's bam, Julie Andrews. It is definitely one of those shows that you can watch with your family. And it's, even though it came out in 2001, it surprisingly holds up pretty well. Uh, it, Okay. We will talk about that because there are some there are problematic things yes. about that. I will admit that there are problematic things about this movie. Nick, what did you see as the biggest theme from this movie? The Princess Diaries is about everyone's fantasy slash hope that they are something more than they really are and their problems can be solved easily without problem without any issue. I don't know. That's just what this <laughs> entire show seems like. My problems are going to be solved. Oh, I wish that I was. And then all of a sudden you are. It creates more problems. But in the end, it's like, who doesn't want to be princess? The end. <laughs> that was a very concise summary of the movie. Who doesn't want to be a princess? <laughs> all right, Taylor, what would you say this show is about? I think it comes down to learning to like yourself. And who you are and figuring out who you are and being okay with that. Hmm. Okay. Similar to Nick, I, I saw this movie as a ode to money and royalty. It really does solve everything. You've got this little geeky, invisible, terrified of giving public speeches, Mia Thermopolis, who she tries to blend it in the background. And then you throw a royal makeover on her. And she becomes a stunning girl that everyone wants to date. Can we, can we talk about can we talk about that royal makeover? Because pretty much the only thing they did was tweeze her eyebrows. And so I think that this is why everyone got so obsessed with tweezing their eyebrows. Like in in this movie, her eyebrows before are like what people want now because now big thick eyebrows are in. Wait, yeah. they are. Yeah, that's like the thing. Groucho Marx. It's not like in the 90s and the early 2000s where they literally you have a pencil. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like a line and everyone was like, yes, that is what everyone's eyebrow should look like. 
Okay, so let's talk, since we're talking about the makeover here, I have a feeling, and Taylor, I would like your opinion on this. I think that Nick and I actually cannot appreciate exactly what that was all about. Because to us, like, I woke up this morning and I think I combed my hair. I just threw some water on it and ran my hand through it. And it was fine. And it was fine. And nobody said anything about it. I might have gotten judged. If I did, that's fair. But it wasn't something that it was like, oh, look at Brandon with his messy hair. It was just like, oh, Brandon's there. It's Guys, I think we have it a lot easier. And so we don't appreciate it. I have four sisters. And they have ingrained in me since I was very young that personal hygiene is very important. <laughs> and so once a week, and it's usually on a Saturday... So I will just completely groom myself. I feel really good about it. Like I moisturize, I trim, I, I clean. <laughs> but it's like that one weekend. And it's usually just because I can't do it during the week because other things going on. But like my Saturday or Sunday morning is when I can just shave, shampoo, pluck tweeze, trim. He only showers everything. once a week is what I'm I, I shower every day. And if, mm, if I sure, don't, sure. if I don't shower in the morning, like I literally cannot function. How long does it take you to do your hair, Nick? Just out of curiosity. Oh, right now, because of the pandemic, I don't have a haircut that is needing of doing anything because it was getting so long that I was getting headaches and horrible, like, <laughs> Is that problems. a side effect of long yes. hair? It is for me. When it starts getting really long, I get really bad migraines. It is like clockwork. I know when I have to get a haircut. Nicholas, this is the most wild thing I've learned about you. And I've learned some wild things about you. So getting a haircut is very important to me. And it might just be in my mind, but it is a thing. But when I was watching this, I was like, okay, so... We have some classic makeovers from like this era, 1998 or 99, 97, somewhere in there. She's all that was like Freddie Prince Jr., Rachel A. Cook, nerdy, ugly girl turns into smoking hot girl. Is that something that like girls think is cool? Here's what I think. I think the makeover scene is one of the most problematic parts of the movie. Okay. And I think it also watching it as a little girl is one of like the biggest wish fulfillments of a kid or of a teenager of being like, what if you had these people just come and make over and you looked totally perfect and great and your hair was smooth, you had oh makeup God. and you were weird and awkward before, but suddenly they straightened your hair and everything was better. <laughs> so they I think watching it back, yes, that's one of the one things that I found most problematic was them, the way they talked about Mia and her looks literally to her face the things that they said i was like i don't think anyone should say that to a teenage girl let alone her grandma it's pretty mean <laughs> but i also i remember being a little kid watching this movie and thinking wow i would love a makeover i'll do one for you <laughs> i think that's past Nick. I'm oh okay. i'm well, pretty comfortable with who i am and i kind of love that the dad and she's all that also is in this show and he's the guy giving the makeover. No, he's not the dad and she's all that. He's the dad in 10 Oh, in 10 Things I Hate, things about, I hate you. about You. Sorry, I'm crossing yes. the streams. No, it's fine. Crossing Paolo, the he's one of my favorites There's, and oh, least favorites simultaneously. Yes. It's amazing. He was very much a stereotype in and of himself as well. Overplayed. Yeah. There's a lot of weird small parts in this movie that I'm like... like Brandon, I don't know what you said earlier about so many weird people in this movie that you're like, I know this person's in this movie. 
Hector Elizondo. Yes, Joe. I love Joe. He's one of my favorite characters in this entire movie. And that's one of the, that's one of the people that I was just all, I know him from lots of things, but I couldn't tell you exactly what I know him from. He's it's okay. Here's something interesting. He was in oh, what's the Julia Roberts one? Pretty Woman. Woman. That's what I was just gonna say. He plays a kind of similar-ish character in Pretty Woman, where he's like the concierge at the fancy hotel. And basically, like, guides Julia Roberts in that movie and is very kind to her and teaches her about this world that she gets pulled into. And yes, I see there's definitely some very different princess hooker. But also, we should talk about Pretty Woman one day. You know what? I feel like they're the same movie. I'm, but really, they are the same movie. It's just like a, a kid version and a grown up version of the same movie. Yeah. yeah, so right there, that is something that is, okay, I, we don't want to tell our kids about sex workers, so we're going to make her a princess. <laughs> Apparently, the princess is, like, this. the key to being a princess is to have a hair straightener. That is what I learned about this movie. I remember wanting straight hair so bad growing up and oh, wanting to do anything to have straight hair. And I also remember really wishing I had a nice grandma, too. Okay, can we talk about the adults in this movie for just a minute? Because these adults, okay, I know that this is a kid's movie. (laughs) I know that this is a movie that is supposed to be a 12-year-old's fantasy, right? Like, I'm a princess, and I didn't know it. Like, all these awkward things about me can be solved because I've got royal lineage. What I don't like about this movie, and this is true for so many Disney movies, they make the parents look like doofuses. And the grandparents come in and they save the day, but they still are problematic. Like, they still do things that is like, don't you think they could have broken the news to uh, to Mia that she was a princess a, a little, little bit differently? Oh, mom, you're, oh, mom knows that your grandma's in town. Mom knows what that means. And mom says, oh, your grandma's here. The one that you've never met, you should go, you should just go stop by. Go hang out. Yes, that seems ridiculous. I think taking that specific choice outside of it, I actually found watching it this time around Mia's mom very cool. I think I always read her as cool, but I just mean like I thought she was very mature and she was very kind and allowed Mia a lot of space to have like her feelings and didn't pressure her. But did she mother her, though? I don't know. But I I was impressed specifically. I'm just thinking maybe I'm just having my perspective changed specifically by that scene after the beach party where she cries and she's really upset she's like you cry because you got hurt and that's okay it's okay to cry and then even just the scene where they are painting together with the darts and the balloons and she's the cool mom that's for sure i do have to say though as a artist like i would live in that house in a heartbeat like that would be one of my dream homes I was um, if it was a lighthouse. House. If it was a lighthouse, that's like my perfect house. I don't know why I want a lighthouse on the top of that, but like that <laughs> open floor and like having stairs that go up and like a little cubby that I can hide in at the top. Yes, yeah. I was abs- I was obsessed with this house, and I was obsessed with Mia's room and the fact that she had this tower. I thought it was absolutely the coolest. She's in thing. her princess tower. Yeah, I mean. that I like wanted. I was like, I want to live in a repurposed firehouse in San Francisco. Okay, so here's the next question. Did Mia never stop to think how her mother, an artist, 
could afford? Absolutely in- not. How old is she? 15? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Clearly, it had to have been Dad who was paying the mortgage on that place. I don't think so. Didn't they address it? They addressed yes, it in they the did. movie. They make a comment about when she's talking to Lily about he pays for me to go to school. That's how he pays yeah. for my tuition at private school. And she makes some comment like that. So but I- how does Mom, who paints by throwing darts at balloons... Hey, you know what? Art is subjective. Afford- Let's stop. Let's yes. stop okay, right there. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Well, but and you know that you've got to either be like a world-renowned artist, which they did not play her out to be. No, but I always read hey, her she as more. She is selling um, a lot in Genovia, all right, and they are rich. <laughs> I yeah, I always read her as a mildly successful artist. Like she's not yeah world-renowned, but she's probably pretty renowned in San Francisco. And this time around, I also did notice in one of the scenes, there's a poster in the kitchen or the living room that says like Helen Thermopolis, like gallery showing, gallery show, such and such date. So I always read it as she is, and their house is cool, but I wouldn't say it's, wow, this is really nice or like really, they're really well off the way that this is decorated. It just, it looks very And it easily could have been that daddy bought it. And so all she's doing is paying property taxes and on an artist's you could easily pay property taxes. You know? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll give you guys on that a, one. On an artist. Especially because pay, she doesn't. Or she's, yeah, dad's she, paying some type of like child support type royal <laughs> income. At least it's not Queen Elizabeth that will just cut you off just completely if you decide not to be a royal. Man, I mean, this obviously, is, this... the Queen of Genovia <laughs> is much more regal and beautiful. I don't know. She's about. a jerk too. She's not that jerky. She at least came back like she was just she it was out of necessity. But I think also she but like has she, a genuine love for her. Yes. And I think she goes on her own personal journey. And you think of someone who doesn't have any grandchildren and had one son who died. I just think and grew up royal or I guess not grew up because she married into it, but has been in this royal life for the last how many years? I think, yes, that probably hardened her. And so I think you watch. That's what I also enjoyed the grandma's journey throughout the movie of her like having to soften and her really loving her granddaughter. And at the end saying, hey, you do what's right for you and I'll still love you and support you. And you're still a part of this family. And that's up to you. You need to figure that out on your own. And I'm still here. And letting her like expectations down and being like, hey, I don't like even I really love that conversation she has with Joe where he like calls her out on her shit. And is that's why Joe's my favorite is she's the queen. And he's he's, hey, that's your granddaughter. Yes, that's the the future princess. But that's also your granddaughter. And you need to like watch what you say and be kind to her and be empathetic to what she's going through. And so I think everyone in this movie is flawed but i also think that's life so i don't know i just don't think it'd be as appealing if it was just like and then she had a perfect mom and a perfect grandma who always said the right things it was funny too because the entire time i was watching this show i kept thinking to myself okay i've seen this movie and it seems to me like joe is the bad guy and he's gonna like try to take (laughs) over the throne or something at the end and i could have sworn that was something that was in this movie. And then I started thinking about it more. And I think that it's from the Prince and me. There is a number two. There is like a character that is plotting to take over the throne. See, and you I have seen number two. And, and it's John Reese Davies. And, and he's you, awesome. And you just don't know. No, I'm pretty sure that's Prince and me that I'm thinking of. I mean, me, I, me and my boyfriend watched this, 
watched this together and at the end I said, now we, now can we watch number two? And he just didn't seem as enthused about it. So we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell him it's part of my podcast homework. So we have to watch Royal Engagement with Chris Pine. Yeah, Lena's not going to have any trouble or any problem with doing that. Wasn't that one of his first movies too? That was his breakout film and he credits Gary Marshall for his success in Hollywood. I well, think Anne Hathaway, this was her breakout role. Yes. So in... this is a pivotal moment for our superhero community of Catwoman and Pretend Loki. And Cap- me... No, Pretend, what do you mean? No, he was not Pretend Loki. Oh, that's Matt Damon. I always yeah. get confused. He, he's uh, Wonder Captain Woman Kirk. and Wonder Woman's boyfriend. Steve Trevor. So Batman's girlfriend and Wonder Woman's boyfriend. There we go. <laughs> Everything There's going to be a little triangle now. Everything yes. comes back to superhero movies. This week's episode is brought to you by our weekly fandom briefing. If you want to stay up to date with news from across the fandomverse, you have to sign up for our weekly fandom briefing. It will be a welcome relief to find an email that you actually want in your inbox talking about all your favorite nerdy news. Head over to fandompodcast.com to sign up. Brandon, I was curious since you have watched it so recently, did you find number two like less problematic? Yes and no. Yes and no. They like, like they realized all of the problems that they had in the first one. Like the first one definitely had some issues with sexism, right? Thinking like, here are these old ideals of what it means to be a princess and you have to conform to that if you want to be a princess. And so they, they took some of that and they're like, we're going to twist this and we're going to show it's not just about being a girly girl. It's also about being a good person. And then they just randomly out of nowhere gave her a black friend. Which probably should have because this was a very white movie. Oh, this was a very white movie. Yes. None of the kids were that I noticed had any color to them. The adults, there was like Sandra O, oh, who was prominent. And I, I don't know, with a name like Hector Elizondo, I feel like he's got to be Latin, but. I think he is because I recently saw him in a different movie that's an older movie where he. But it could be Spain. He could be uh, Latin from Spain. Yes. And I thought so. he played a character from. I don't even know if it was Spain or maybe it was Mexico. I can't remember, honestly. And then the music teacher was black. But that, those were like the only people of color that I really noticed but, yeah. in that entire film. So when they gave, oh, what's her name? Was it? Raven Simone. Raven Simone. Thank you. She just shows up and Anne Hathaway's like, oh, what's your name? But like the, she obviously knows her. As, they're acting like they're old friends because it's been five years since the end of it. And yeah, great. She's made new friends. But it just felt very much, see, she's got a black friend. She's got a black friend. <laughs> Yes, and I I think it also probably played a big part that, like, in Disney Channel time frame right then, that was when Raven Simone was big. Like, she had That's a Raven. And so I think it was like, and this is a Disney movie, and yes, Raven! (laughs) It just very much felt like a Disney special, especially on the second one where they're having the sleepover, and Julie Andrews and Raven Simone have the duet that they do together. That was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. It's like, we've got but, these two uh, Julie people. Andrews was singing. Well Raven, them. go sit down for a minute. Julie Andrews is singing. <laughs> well, Raven Simone was on a recent season of The Masked Singer, and I had no idea she could sing like that. So she's a pretty dang good singer. Just saying. And that's fine, but it's Julie Andrews. You got to bring in the new generation with the old. Can we talk about the romance between Queen Clarice and Joe? 
Because even as a child, I remember really loving that. Really. Uh, well, as long as the queen is consensual, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I don't think anyone makes Queen Clarice do anything she doesn't want to do. I like it. When Although she, uh, Joe gave her quite a bit of pressure, like not pressure. Not like it was not a. I think oh. he just knows when. I think it's one of those things where he just knows the right moment, and he's. We need to dance right now because yes, I know I... you're stressed, <laughs> and this is going to make you happy. And I am the. I'm going to use my Spaniard suave. That he's was one that. of the things that I was like. I didn't know what sexual tension was when I watched that movie, but I knew that something was happening in that scene. Julie Andrews is the queen of that though. Really? You've is. been wearing black too long. I was like, I don't know what that means as a child, but I, <laughs> but I know that it's sexy, but I don't even think I would say that word when I was a child. I don't know what sexy means though. I don't even know what that means, but I know it's sexy. Yeah, you think, think about her other roles. Like Julie Andrews has this image of being so Wholesome, wholesome and pure oh yeah but like sound of music captain on trap and Dude, julie andrews i'm telling you sexual tension for days in that movie <laughs> i also so, remember watching that movie as a child being like i don't know what this feeling is in my heart and in my gut but i like when they dance together and they look at each other <laughs> <laughs> oh queen clarice rinaldi so joe and her relationship okay because I watched them basically back to back, I'm trying to remember where it ends in the first one. The first one is basically when Mia and Michael back away into the garden and Joe makes some comment like, oh, they're going out to the garden. I guess there goes my idea. He's out, garden's taken or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, uh, I, know I think, yeah, doing. it just the in the first movie just ends with them. They have them like walking off and hold hands and then he like tells the like security person he's leave leave <laughs> get out of here <laughs> like motions for him to leave the room i was just trying to think of the other thing that that julie andrews creates like sexual tension with mary and poppins i realized that it was bridgerton she is the voice she's the person yes. that reads the voice of lady whistledown or whatever and just hearing her voice and all of the stuff that's going on in that movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is so good. I love her in this movie. I I love all of it. I, how did you guys feel about the comedy in this movie? Did you think this movie was funny? So the scene where she slipped on the bleachers and fell, which is an iconic scene in this movie. Is re- real. Is real. Like She really she actually slipped and, and fell. really slipped and fell. And Gary Marshall said, that is perfect. We're using that scene. I was curious, because in that scene, but I think it's like they make a cut and Joe, like, coming over to, like, check on her. Like, he rushes over in her direction. And I was just curious if that was, like, after the fact they edited that in or if that was also just, like, his natural response to. Oh, that'd be interesting. I knew that since, I don't know, I probably saw it on some, like, Disney Channel movie <laughs> trivia <laughs> thing but i remember knowing that for the longest time and this time so i watched that scene and i said the same thing to my boyfriend i'm like did you know that that is actually that really happened she really fell and the director like really liked it so he kept it in (laughs) so i was that annoying person but i did notice that in that scene also joe like starts to run and then once he sees that she's like laughing and she's fine he like goes back to dribbling the the basketball in the background but i thought that was interesting i was like i wonder if like they cut that in after they're like hey 
We're going to leave that in, so hurry and run over there and make that, it look like you're checking on her. That easily could have been. Or if that was like just him as an actor, as a person, was like, oh no, Anne fell. I gotta go check on her. <laughs> a young girl in my presence fell. I need to be a good person. <laughs> huh. huh. Uh, he he but, broke character, so that makes him a terrible actor. But you thought that was funny? <laughs> was that the only part? I oh, thought- they played that up for like her awkwardness, right? Like the other bits of humor, like the, okay, so there are so many things in this movie that have become, they were cliches to start with, but the foot popping thing, like oh, calling yeah. out the foot popping thing that I forgot that was called out in this movie. I know it's been done in a lot of movies, but, but like the, yeah, her actually identifying it as I've always, I in movies where the girl's foot just pops. <laughs> And I lo- yeah, I did laugh at that scene where mom's, well, I really hope you get your first foot popping kiss. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's comedy that I don't think was actually supposed to be comedy. But the guy who was, I think he was like the prime minister or something like that. But the mm-hmm. Genovia. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I was like, oh, man, they are committing to this fake country bit. And I like the guy. I like the the people that are supposed to take over and they keep talking about how she won't get her face lift now. I thought that was funny. (laughs) I thought parts that I really enjoyed were things with Lily, her best friend. Oh, where I laughed for some reason. Yes, I laughed really hard where she's you're not going to help me with my spotted owl petition after school. Seriously, we have to talk about Lily because... She is not a good friend in there any way, shape, or form. No, like literally the entire time that she was there, I was like, this girl does not deserve to be Anne Hathaway's friend in any way because she's just manipulating her and she's borderline sociopath. We're just using the people around her for her own means. And I'm not okay with that. So I'm like... Okay, okay, but this is actually like a more serious plot line right there. When you are one of those invisible people, Nick, you were always popular and cool. No, I wasn't. And so I, so no. I know you were always popular and cool. No, you could say you weren't, but you were I one was, of those cool kids who would say they weren't cool. I was not popular at all. Okay, all right. Then you should understand this. Your friends, you don't go walk into a room and be like, you're a good person. You're going to be my friend. It's all of the leftovers that get, that are sitting at the lunch table all by themselves. I'm not bitter. Who <laughs> have a who have these are the five kids that I eat lunch with. And so these are now my friends. And it's sometimes you don't get to pick and choose. Sometimes uh, fate throws you together. And this so is part you feel of like that. Those were the two most awkward people in the school. And so that's why they ended up together. It happens like my I've told the story before of my first day in seventh grade had no friends. And I bonded with a guy over the fact that we both read the novelization of the Americanization of a Japanese anime called Robotech, and he recognized that we could nerd out about it, and he's a friend. You just sunk your ship right from the very beginning if you didn't want to be the nerd in school. Lily does have some really hard things to swallow where she's not a good friend. Like, seriously, like, she didn't even think about it when she didn't show up if she was a good friend she would have been like where's lily i'm gonna go to her house and find her but no she's just dulled to the nine standing there waiting for her to come and everyone's like where's the princess nobody knows where she is and she's just standing there like, ha, 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 ha. i was like seriously just go call yeah. it. Wait, are you saying that Mia's is a bad friend or that lily's a bad friend lily is a bad friend because she should have called when like 
when Mia wasn't like coming. Right? Here's the thing: this movie came out in 2001. Yeah, not but that you don't think that she had could... cell phones at that point? You I... knew your best friend's freaking phone number because you had called them like every day. Yes, but I also want to point out that both Lily and Mia are 15 in this movie, and 15 year olds are stupid. And I don't think I always made the smartest decisions or was the nicest person or probably always made my friends feel great when I was 15. I probably was jealous at certain points or wanted my own things. But I also think I really enjoyed the conversation that they have when they make up after. And Lily brings up about saying, Hey, being a princess, you have the power to have your voice change the heard world and to change the world. And even though it was very like cheesy in a lot of ways, her relating that to her TV show and being like, I have all these things that I want to do and which they let up throughout the movie of like, she has the spotted owl petition and she's always trying to do this protest or get people to sign this petition or come on her show, shut up and listen. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> still... funny. And so I think like her having that conversation of saying, Hey, like I, and admitting like I was jealous and you were getting all this attention and you were doing all this cool stuff and I'm sorry, and I was a bad friend, and but I'm proud of you, and I want you to have this experience. Yeah, but like I- she was, but to me, when she was saying that, she didn't, she wasn't relaying, I'm proud of you for being a princess, you should go do this. It was still, hey, you have the power to do what I can't, and you should do it for my selfish means. That's the way that I read it the whole time. Like, I did not read it like, oh, these two friends are like being so happy. It was like the only thing that had led up to that point was that she was trying to achieve a goal and she was still using Mia to achieve that goal. And so I I didn't have any, like, I didn't feel in that moment, oh, it's so cute that they're making up. It was like, she's still just... No, no, see, I read that as her, her saying, look, I'm sorry, I was jealous because look, you have all of these awesome things that you can do that I can't do. And this is, I was envious of you and I wanted to be you and I was mad that I wasn't you. And so don't give it up because you think I think you're being it's, it'd be dumb to be a princess because I think it would be really cool to be a princess. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the scene. That's the maybe where she's I, talking to her. Yeah, maybe I just hate 15 year old girl logic. Well, <laughs> maybe and- that's what it is. And like she doesn't show any empathy for her at all either. Your dad died two months ago. Haven't you gotten over that yet? Yes, that is a scene that will forever live in my mind rent free. Aren't you like over that now? That was like, <laughs> what, two months ago? <laughs> She's, yeah, I don't know. She just bothered me a lot. And then it was like, it was like how people sometimes have a really big problem with Darth Vader getting redemption at the end. I don't feel like her redemption was deserved. I just feel like Lily is so much comedy to me. I love that scene where she's chasing after Michael and Mia and she's like, wait, guys, wait. And then she passes another two like people. She's like, not you. I don't know you. <laughs> Okay, tell me that they would not have made Shut Up and Listen a podcast if they yes. were making that today. It was so great. I, I'm oh. Lily Moskowitz, and this is Shut Up and Listen. I want to make that podcast. <laughs> I have one more thing that I want to talk about with this. And Nick touched on this. In this era of movies, it just really seems to me... Like every movie, the kid found out that they were actually the chosen one. I'm I'm lost royalty. I am the I am amazing. I am a secret prodigy. Like they were the I, chosen one. Now, granted, I'm the movie would be God. I'm 
Yeah, I killed yeah. Voldemort. I the movie know. would be boring if it wasn't about somebody cool. So I get that. I can agree with that. But did we put in kids' heads from watching these movies that everybody is the chosen one? You're really the chosen one. You just haven't found it yet. Did Study we special dash? That just means no one is. Are we like? Are we? Was that the era that caused everyone to think that they were the best at everything? I feel like it. <laughs> are we old men, Nick? Is that what I'm hearing? I don't know. And I am legitimately curious about this. Talking to a licensed therapist. <laughs> is this a thing that, like, I don't know. Is this anything that anyone's ever talked about you with? Oh, wow. Has, has talked to you about during your schooling or anything like that? That, like, maybe media and, like, the idea that everyone has chosen has given so many people expectations to the point where when they don't achieve those things that it causes severe depression it causes like i didn't fulfill my purpose in life i you know didn't become the best artist in the world my podcast was not number one i'm not the best therapist in the world i didn't get the job that i dreamed of that one out of a billion people can get like is does this contribute to that problem and is that something that you would have to deal with or is it common? I don't know. There's been some research or some talks about the generation of kids who were in maybe like gifted classes or advanced classes. And Hang on. Tread carefully here. Tread carefully. How much pressure was put on them of Yeah, being... it was tough for me. It is hard being me. Yes. <laughs> being the, like having this expectation of, yes, you're going to grow up and you're going to be scientists and doctors and like video game developers or whatever it is that your dream was and having these very high expectations and then yeah going into the real world and realizing that not everybody gets to be the radio voice of the utah jazz or yes so. not everybody gets that and that's okay and that doesn't mean that there isn't success in that so i think there's definitely some relation to that i don't know if to, if i ever remember in school as like addressing that specifically to media but obviously media and the stuff that we see and hear and we take in and we are going to develop ideas and internalize certain things, even unknowingly about how and what we should be and how our life should be. And so I think, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that's problematic or do you think that it's fine? I, that's what I'm trying to think of. If Specifically, teach... like I can think, especially during the nine like late night like half of the nine la the back half of the 90s and the early 2000s and i just feel every single show that was geared towards kids and up to 20 year olds or even past that every single one was like you're the chosen one you're the person that's like going to change the world you're harry potter you're percy jackson you're the princess and i've thought a lot about it i don't know why and it wasn't it was even it wasn't even before this moment like i thought about it and i was just like why yeah it's a fun trope and stuff but like me personally i had to like think to myself did that affect some of me I and mean, obviously it did but did it affect me in a negative way whereas if i didn't have every single thing that i was watching that was also i grew up in a time where what was on tv was what was on tv i didn't have netflix i didn't have those things and so i had 10 channels didn't have cable 
And so that's what I got to watch and read comic books where you're the special person that got chosen to be the Green Lantern or you are the last son of Krypton or you're Batman. That it's, said, you if know, you, can you make I, I want to know, Nick, can you make a entertaining kid show that is just about an everyday person that has nothing special about them? Like well, can't that's do hard. It. You can't tell a story that is just about a guy who goes to work, comes home goes to sleep, wakes up, goes to work again. There's always, in the hero's journey, there's always going to be that moment where you leave the normal world behind and you are the chosen one. And so I... I think like, they're trying to do a better job of it, though, in children's movies now. And I'm specifically thinking about Soul. If you have seen Soul, in that movie, they specifically talk about your spark is not your purpose. A spark is just wanting to live. And they address it. And I think that maybe that movie is what kind of brought it to my for the forefront of my mind. And my kids love that show. Like they love that show more than most of the shows that I want to show them. And that guy's special because he has a passion about playing the piano. But like he inherently is a guy just going through his life and it comes to the end. And he says, no, I don't want to. I don't want to end. So I, I do really do believe that you can if you want to. But I also think that it's a lot easier to write a story about a chosen child that is going to save the world. Well, and sometimes that can be more fun. So I think there's a couple things here. I think there's nothing wrong because I think the sending the message uh, to kids that like you are special. That is true. Like you are inherently unique and special and inherently have value. And so I think that's a great message for us to send kids and for them to internalize of yes, like what you do does matter and has value and you are special because you are you not because you're a princess or because you're a wizard, but just because of who you are. And so I think like maybe that messaging I think can be super helpful and healthy. But then I think Nick, you make an interesting point. I think of the movie inside out and I think that movie isn't about anything. The main character, there's nothing seemingly unique or magical or chosen about her it's about a girl who moves to a new city and is really struggling and has a really hard time and learns that it's okay to be sad. See, that's the story for the adults in there. That's the story in the adults. The story for the kids is all about joy and sadness. Yes, and that there's this magical, but yeah, like you said, then you look at that for the kids. Yeah, there's this magical land inside your head and you have emotions that have different names and different colors and there's, the train so, so what they did right there in, in that is they made sadness. They took her as the frumpy, average, everyday like person who's not the most popular person in the head like Joy. And they made her the chosen one because without her, without having some sadness in there, life isn't as good. So they made the average person the hero again. They didn't, it was not, yeah, they, they it's a trope that that is yeah. played out because it works. Because you think of something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how, like, that show very much is a lot about what it is like to grow up and be a teenager and a young adult, but through the lens of, but what if monsters were real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, like, where that you still get some normal, everyday, like, universal experiences that you see but through the lens of, okay, instead of your boyfriend is 
breaks up with you and is mean to you and stops talking to you after you guys sleep together it's your boyfriend's a vampire and turns evil after you sleep together for the first time and so i think and which is maybe slightly more compelling some might say so i I like what you said about what we should teach is being you're you are unique you are special inherently but it's not because of what you achieve but it's because of who you are. It's not because you're a princess. It's not because you're a Jedi. It's not because you're a wizard. It's because you are you and not what you achieve or what you think that you need to achieve in your life. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Exactly. And And that's what this movie is about. (laughs) She's royalty. Dang it. And it gets there. It really does. Where in the end she's, she doesn't want to be a princess because she doesn't think who that's who she is. But then she has the aha moment and her friend helps her with that. But, and then she shows up all wet and talks to everyone and the media. Like she has no issues at all. It's like Percy Jackson when all of a sudden he can just fight because he's the son of Poseidon. No, no, there's a theme here. He can fight because he gets wet. Ah, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. <laughs> that's um, the real secret to life here get drenched in a rainstorm we can cut this out if we want to talk about it in a different episode but i'll at some point wanted to talk about the romance between michael i would just like to talk at how truly weird he is yeah, how he's just a goofy dude he's just of such a the, weird like just his, i don't even i don't know if he has picked up on ridiculous too just like the weird things he does throughout the movie where he like when she gives him the check for the car, he like, as he's walking out, he puts it in his mouth and just like his physicality. Like I just found like him and I just honestly he's like, 15. I, that's what it is. He's well, just exactly. But that's what I appreciated about it is that I'm like, yes, that is a 15 year old boy. I knew. I don't know a 15 year old boy. And I like in some shows where it's, and I'm perfect and suave. And I know just what to say that make the girl swoon. And no, I knew the, f- like, I knew the weird 15-year-old boy who put an envelope in his mouth and walked out of the room. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, The romance in these movies is crazy, like, uh, with Chris Pine and with Michael. Let me watch the Chris Pine one before we talk about romance. <laughs> we'll okay. talk about All romance right. well, I actually want to have a little bit of a say in this. Okay, this has been just the tip of the iceberg on our discussion about... The, the Titanic. <laughs> I was this about is, to say Mean Girls. This is not this, Mean Girls. This is the first page, only the first page in the diary that is the Princess Diaries. Yes, yes. So this is just the beginning of what we're talking about. Next week we will be talking about the history, some of the things about the film, some things that inspired the film, some things that the film inspired. Apparently Julie Andrews has a cursing problem. We'll talk about that. Yes. So that oh, I already know, I already into, know about it. Where Genovia is, Genovia <laughs> Customs. There's a whole wiki on Genovia. We're saying. actually going to travel to Genovia and record an episode live there. Live from Genovia. Be sure to subscribe. And if you know anyone who's a big Princess Diaries fan, tell them about the show. What I'm going to recommend is to go to fandompodcast.com. There, there is a list of everything, all of the episodes we've done, all of the things that are coming out. You can subscribe in your players. You can uh, leave us a voice memo if you're like, hey, you forgot to talk about this. Head over to fandompodcast.com and do that. If you are one of the people who have given me the feedback that, hey, I miss not having fandom news 
from you guys. Sign up for our mailing list. We will be sending out fandom news and we will be discussing about some of the things that are important there. So if you are trying to keep up with the fandom news and just don't have a lot of time to do it, head over to fandompodcast.com and sign up for the mailing list there. With that, I guess all I have to say is until next time. I can't do this. I'm a girl. What am I, a duck? Shut up and listen. May the fandom be with you. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.